First word that comes to mind is shagging, bonk, rooting, <laughs> procreation, the ins and outs of sex. Hello, this is Melody from Bang. Now we are a few weeks yet away from the official first episode of season three. It comes out on March 4th. But this is for those who want a little taster of Bang to tide you over, or maybe who watched us prepare for the Christchurch live show on social media and got a bit of FOMO. This is the live taping from the Bread and Circus Festival in Ototahi at the end of January. As per usual with our live episodes, it's a bit of a different beast to the pre-recorded and carefully produced episodes that make up the rest of the season. It's a bit looser, it's more live obviously, but this one also features some familiar voices like Nick and Lena Bates, the father-daughter sex advice duo that we've come to love over the two seasons of Bang so far. And also because these episodes don't go out on the radio... That allows us to be a bit more relaxed with content restrictions. So the usual warning about language being explicit, themes being explicit, applies even more to these shows. So just be careful who you listen with. And one last thing, if you're in Wellington or if you're near enough to get there, we're putting on a bang live show as part of the Fringe Festival on March 22nd at Bats Theatre. Tickets are likely to sell out, so get them as soon as you can. Let's do this thing. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for coming. We didn't, I didn't know there were going to be this many people here. I'm Melody Thomas. I'm the host of Bang through Radio New Zealand, a sex and sexuality podcast that... Who here has, let's just say, not listened to it? Okay, do you know what you're here for? Do you know what this is? Okay. <laughs> it's really nice to be back in Christchurch. I went to broadcasting school here and really loved it, despite what I thought. Um, no, I'm just joking. Sorry, Christ, not the right place for a Christchurch joke. <laughs> but it's a, it is a really beautiful city, and I've loved walking around and seeing everything that's happened here in terms of, you know, the transformation of the city. It's so picturesque, as I'm sure you all know. And from what I hear, pretty kinky. Don't put your hands up if you are kinky slash swingers, but maybe give me, like, a suggestive wink. Because apparently there's a few of you. Is anyone here with a family member? Are you, is it awkward yet? Are you all right? <laughs> is anyone here on a date? I was going to say that would be a terrible idea. Although maybe it's good because then if, you know, if it works, after, if you can get through this, you can get through anything. Okay, enough from me. Let's get our first guest on stage. She's a familiar face around these parts, familiar voice at least. She used to run with the RDU crew, RDU being the local student radio station. Though she's gone and gotten a real job since, which she apparently likes. And she's part of the band slash performance art group Fantasing, as well as part of a new upcoming podcast called Called Bodies Club. So please welcome Gemma Syme. Hello. Hello. Have a seat, babe. Thank you. We've known each other a little while. Yeah, 
Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, we were. One of my most recent memories of you was us sitting in a bar in Wellington and we were talking about Tinder as you do. Yeah. And it, when I was single. Yeah, when you were single and mm. you were kind of like, oh, it's a bit dire down in old chicha. Yes. <laughs> I think, yeah. But that's, I hear similar stories from yeah. around the country. So we were talking about Tinder and I was like, show me a profile. And you showed me and I was like, oh, no, no, no. no. you got to up your game. I took you another photo of you, a fresh photo right there in the bar. And I made you say nice stuff about yourself. Do you remember this? Yeah, because mm. the Tinder profile is a very hard thing to sort of um, finesse. Yeah. So I think getting somebody on board to help actually did help. And then you went and fell in love. I did. <laughs> so I did. thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love, not just yeah. sex, love. Just, I mean, sex by itself sometimes, but in this case, do you want to tell us how you happened to meet this person? Yes, I was DJing one night at the City Gallery, and I saw someone in the crowd, and I was just like, "Oh, damn!" And I started typing away on my phone because it was a bit loud to the person who I was DJing with, Sierra, and I was saying, "Babe, over there in hat." And then straight after we'd finished DJing, I went up. And there's a bit of debate whether I gave my number or she asked for my number. And then she texted me and I was like, oh my God, the hot babe texted me. And I didn't reply. <laughs> well, because she was like, I'm going surfing. I know, I thought she was ditching oh, no, me no, to no. go surfing and wasn't interested. We didn't even come here to talk about this, but we could oh. dissect that for a while. I know, that was pretty funny. Part of why you're here is because, I mean, up until then you'd kind of considered your sexuality to be somewhat fluid anyway, but you'd, you'd been in relationships only with men, is that fair to say? Yes. I did call myself currently straight when I was seeing dudes, so that was sort of my definition of who I was. Now that I look back on it, I think I might call myself comfortably straight. <laughs> Mm. Because I didn't have to deal with the whole coming out side of it. I mean, I'd hooked up with girls, but actually starting to see someone who was the same sex as I was was quite a, a different experience. Holding hands. The first time we held hands in public, I felt very visible. Like, it was very, I'm holding hands with a woman, and I am a woman. And I did not expect to have those kind of mm. feelings and it was this weird sort of unfolding of this unconscious bias, which I'd had, or which I guess a lot of people have because we grow up in a heteronormative society. I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with seeing Hazel. Like Hazel, when I saw her, it was the most natural thing in the world to be like, mm. babe, um, <laughs> I want to go, you know, make out. But um, the actual having to reveal to people was something that I didn't know was going to be such a, well, I don't want to say burden, burden's not the right word, but um, that I was kind of nervous about it. Mm. Just emotional labour kind of that you hadn't anticipated. Or, yeah. yeah. When I felt like, you know, I, I wanted to start telling people that I was seeing someone, because you know, you still wait a while, you're like, let's just see how this <laughs> plays out. <laughs> I started telling people who I was like, felt safe telling, and most of my friends were quite just like, oh, cool, where are we going to go for brunch? Like, you know, it wasn't a big deal. They just were stoked for me, and that was really cool. Telling my parents was a little bit more nerve-wracking. My parents are chill, though, so... But they're like, we knew you were queer the whole time. <laughs> my dad said that. He's like, I knew it. I knew it. I'm like, you kind of know I didn't it. know. Yeah. You kind of know it. So that was funny. They were supportive 
which was awesome. I know that's not a lot, like for a lot of queer people, that's not their story. So didn't you send them a text? Yeah, I sent them a text. <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't want to call. I had to think about it. Like I wanted to write it out and be like, this is how I want to say it. If I call them, I'd just be like, Pfft. so I, yeah, I wrote a text and my mum said. That's very exciting. I'd be glad to meet her. And my dad asked if she could mow the lawns. Like, can she use a lawnmower? Can she? Yeah. Yeah, of course she can. very practical man. Yeah. So, yeah. She's here. Do you want to say hi, Hazel? Hi. Hi, Hazel. Hey. Hey. Well, congratulations. Thank it's you. good to see you so happy. I am happy. Yeah. yeah. I was asking about your sexuality earlier and how you define it, and you were like... I thought of this real gross thing that made me want to spew last night. Do you want to say it? Um, I said, uh, <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> okay, everybody, please give a big round of applause for Gemma. So fans of the podcast will already be familiar with our next guest. They are givers of sex and relationship advice. One is a sex and relationship therapist, the other is studying to be a sex educator, and they also happen to be father and daughter. Please welcome Nick and Lena Bates. So I sent out a survey ahead of time, and some people have filled in some questions from that, and we'll do a couple of them, but just so we know that we're answering questions in the audience, I'm gonna do, make sure we do some from the box as well. Before we do that, does everyone know, have, have you heard this pair already? Yeah. Seeing most people here know you, can you just briefly tell us who you are? So I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I do relationship and sex therapy as my job, and my partner and wife and uh, Lena's mother also does the same work in an office alongside mine. So we're that kind of family. Uh, <laughs> she's here too. Hi, Verity. Yep. Hey. Hi, Verity. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, kia ora. Yeah, I'm there. I'm the product of that relationship. That scenario. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and I just finished my degree in sociology with a minor in gender and sexuality, looking towards being a sex educator, but currently unemployed. So really on the up, guys. Yeah, yeah. I went out with these, this threesome for uh, dinner last night. <laughs> that sounded wrong. Come on. <laughs> and it is a wonder to watch the three of them together because when you say father-sex, father-daughter sex advice duo and then mention there's a mother involved as well, it can sound kind of like, I yeah. don't know if I want to get involved in that. And then when you actually hang out together, it is so wholesome. Like at one point your mother was like miming some kind of hand yeah, job the thing to you at the bar using and a, having an uncircumcised and circumcised penis and the difference in how you give a hand job is it's very just all at the, all at smash palace outside at smash palace and it but it's it is so wholesome you know because there is no shame and no taboo around it and that's what we're working towards here so shall we do our first question please so this was from our online survey and this is oh, there's actually two questions that are related the first one's quite long, so I'll try and kind of shorten it a bit. But my husband and I have been together for three years. I'm a straight cis female. The first year was great sex-wise, but it started to de-escalate due to my decreasing libido the following two years. I went on antidepressants in 2017 and we've barely had sex at all since. I just don't seem to get turned on and have no interest. I know it affects him, but I don't want to force myself to do anything I don't want to do. I enjoy it once we get going, but I'm really in the mood and I get irritated with any contact instigated by him. It's been suggested my antidepressants could be the cause of my lack and in interest, but I don't want to come off them. So it's mental health yes. versus intimacy. And there was another question that came in that said, can SSRIs, which are 
selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, antidepressants, alter your sex drive? If so, can taking a different one make a difference? So, well, can, we, can I answer yeah, yeah. That, that question first? So, so the answer is SSRIs generally do for a lot of people, more people than not. So the answer is yes, and there are some that are, have less, you know, a less effect on uh, libido. They also tend to uh, make it harder to get aroused, harder to reach orgasm for men and women. You can talk to your doctor about it. Doctors are not always very well informed about which are the best ones for, for sex. You may need to go to a psychiatrist and even then you might need to push them to do some research. So you can find some that are better suited and maybe have less find, of those. The, the thing is medication is always very individual. Yeah. So there's no, you know, there's no guarantee, but there are some that are known to be, have less sexual side effects. They may have uh, you know, more other side effects. And that, yeah. so, there's not, you know, there's not an easy answer to that. So what but, about the first question, yeah. which is, it's a version of a question we get a lot, which is yeah. a few years into a relationship, how do we keep the spark going? But there's this added factor of having to yeah. prioritise I mean, your mental health. I mean, I think I'd like to answer this question on the assumption that it is the antidepressants that have caused cool. this. Of course, there are other reasons why people, you know, uh, um, have a, lot, you know, a loss of interest, irritation with their partner. You know, there may be all sorts of relationships things going on that they need to address. But, you know, let, let's, let's assume that it is the anti antidepressant. Because I think if you've got an antidepressant that's working for you and it's really helping you with your mental health, yeah, you do need to stay on it. You could possibly explore some different ones, but that, there is no guarantee that that will solve the problem. So then it's an issue of, okay, so this, we have something that's affecting our relationship and it's affecting like, my ability to, to be interested in sex, my ability to be, you know, uh, get aroused, mm. those kinds of things. What do we do about it? And it sounds like, as we often hear, once, once, the moments, once things have started, it sounds like there's not much yeah. of an issue. It's yeah, and getting I, started. And I think the, uh, deciding to make it a priority and plan mm. is really, really positive because... There's a difference between feeling like sex and libido and actually being like, I want sex to be part of our relationship still. Like, that can be separate from any urges, but you know you want it to be part of it. So making sure, like, saying, I want to have sex sometime this week, can we figure out how that will happen? Especially if, she said, any sexual contact can irritate her. You need to have a conversation about ways you could be, he could be, uh, is it, I don't know if yeah. it was clear. Yeah, the partner could be. Um, your partner could be instigating sex um, that doesn't irritate you, that doesn't pressure you. And sometimes it is simply saying, okay, Thursday, maybe let's both try be in a place where we might feel up for physical intimacy. It's so funny when we start having these sex planning conversations because I always, and we've talked about this before, I always hear the person early on in the relationship being like, oh, this is where we're headed. Well, like booking in the sex sessions. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it is. And, and I mean, I, I, you know, if, if these are younger people, maybe in their 30s or something, it's like, well, this is actually a really good skill to acquire early on because you're gonna, if you stay together or if you, if you remain sexually active into your later life, you're going to need this skill. So it's about changing because when you're younger, you just think, well, I, you know, I, I have, I have, you know, lust, I have libido, I have kind of hormonally driven interest in sex, and that kind of gets me there. That's not going to last forever. And it actually isn't always true. I've had a lot of planned sex, and it's fine because once you're in it, you know, 
there is spontaneity and there is You're lust. not planning every step of the process. No, exactly. <laughs> There's so have, much room. I mean, some of the really, the hottest sex requires planning. It's, mm. like, it's like having a That's really true. good meal, you know? It doesn't, I mean, you can sometimes have a great, great meal. Great. And talking about the details can be, a, oh, can yeah. like over a week can be considered some kind of foreplay. Oh, so for like, sure. Absolutely. That's one of my favourite ways to, to get consent in as well, oh, is like yeah, sexting. Like se and you're like, oh, oh no, nice. actually I'm not into that, but this. Mm. And then, yeah. We never have enough time for you to, yeah. and I'm, no, it's all right, I'm going to ask one more, but then at the end, if we have more time, then we'll be able to talk right up till the end, because you're okay. coming back on at the end as our last guest. So I want to do this one, but I feel like it's long. We'll, we'll, we'll just jump in. How do I gently and politely, but honestly, tell my lover that he's a terrible kisser slash box eater without debilitating his ego or making out like I don't mind, have tried before to guide and advise to no avail? Um, yep, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the big thing is when you're talking to someone about what you want is making it about what you want, not what they're doing wrong. And say, oh, I have an idea of what I might want from this activity, and it's a bit different from what you're doing. It's more like, do you want to tr can we try this thing? Yeah. Maybe another thing to think about is how important, I mean, kissing is quite important to lots of people, but how important is the said box eating to you? Is, you know... The said box eating <laughs> the is important to me. box eating. <laughs> um, you know, because if it is really important to you, then, yeah, putting the time in and having those conversations. But, you know, it's also all right if you're not really that into it and you don't actually want it to keep happening. I think happening. we can assume this person likes is it. Into I, the think effort. I think we can putting the effort into ask the question. Do you think that... Um, Kissing and box eating are interrelated skills. Um, I think I, responding to your partner's uh, levels of enjoyment is. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's the feedback. It's the yeah. it's it's the feedback Reading loop. Feedback. And mm. I mean, arguably, passionate kissing is the most intimate thing we do. Um, you know, when, when that's going wrong, that, that that's often a really useful alert. So, well, hang on, there's, there's something not happening or happening. But in it's a, in so a... hard to say. Yeah, oh, and maybe bad kisser. Well, I know you're not but saying you don't that. Say I know it we're definitely not you say, to say hey, that. This isn't working for me, and you're yeah. allowed to want what you want. And they might not be enjoying it either. Like yeah. that's the thing. They could be going to their friends and be like, oh, the kissing's just like pretty shit. They like, might think you're a shit. Exactly, and it might be that both of you are having these conversations separately and be like. Mm. Hey, are you enjoying this? Like, are there things we could be doing differently? So it's about, you know, it's about, like, we're two different people about all sorts of things, and, yeah. and maybe what we want and what we think is normal and how we go about things are really different, and there's a clash. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that happens all across the relationship, across all sorts of things, and we've got to have a pro... You know, we've got to work our way through that, and it's not easy and it's not comfortable, but telling your partner they are the problem, that does not lead generally to very good solutions. No better box eating that way. Good box eating in that direction. So saying, not hey, look, I want to have a conversation with you about something that's not working well for me. I'm not trying to run you down. I'm not trying to make you wrong. It's just, this isn't working for me. And I would like it to because I'm really into it. Cool. Okay, everybody, please, we're going to bring them back for more questions. Nick and Lena Bates, thank you so much, you two. So the next story is... One that I heard, I mean, I've heard quite a few over the course of making this podcast that kind of defy belief on first hearing, and part of that is just because we don't talk about sex and you just have to get over some hurdles in your own mind and release the shame that you're brought up with, but also there are just some stories that just are like that, and this is one of those. Um, here to share that story is Audrey. Please give her a round of applause. 
I'm so excited about this. Where do you usually start with this? My parents live in South Australia, and I have a pretty good open relationship with my parents. You know, they know that I'm queer and pretty slutty. Um, <laughs> and I think my dad is quietly sad, but my mum's like, yeah, get it. Um, and so, you know, I'm Skyping my mum, and she's like, now, your birthday's coming up. Have, we've delivered a package. Let me know when it arrives. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, thanks, mum. It's, you know, it's probably going to be like a handmade handbag or some kind of cute, like, potpourri thing. Mum's crafty. But then, like, the next time, she's like, has, has the package arrived yet? And I started getting really suspicious. It was for my 30th birthday. So I thought, oh, it's a bit of a milestone. And just her investment in when it Checking. arrived mm, yeah. was, was terrifying. And I was like, well, what's the worst? What's the worst? And I was like, oh, God. And I started having my suspicions. Okay. And, um, you know, So you gathered a support so, crew around yeah, you? Yeah, the package arrived. It was a, a polystyrene box, like what you keep fish in. Um, like, duct taped, closed, and on the import little label, it said, uh, gift and transformer. My dad's an electrician. <sighs> and so, with my trusty cohort of my, my flatmate, cat wife, and my bestie, I proceeded to start unwrapping this auspicious gift from my parents. And it was, it was worse than my worst fears. What was it? It was uh, a homemade wall plug-in vibrator that my father had lovingly crafted. <laughs> and I knew that my mother would have been kind of like grinning and, you know, cheering him on. It was probably her idea. And it looks like a pool noodle, with some when light. you said that, I imagined it much larger than when I originally <laughs> yeah, yeah. saw it. No, it's a, it's a shaven pool noodle, but I feel like that was where it began. It's a real sculpture. It is a real <laughs> sculpture. I'm really glad that my parents are sex positive. Like, don't get me wrong, I think that's really beautiful and wonderful. Well, there's sex positive and then there's this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have it here. You don't actually... You don't actually know how the reveal's going to go down, but we're, we're going to perform a symbolic reenactment. It's symbolic, so there's no one turning it. There's not a post... I tried to get William to dress up as a postman, but he wasn't having it. Let's do this thing. Just don't tag me, because I don't Just want my parents Just don't tag her, to OK? And try avoid her face if you can. Do it. <laughs> Okay, this is an explainer for those of you who weren't in the room. This is the part where we lower Audrey's vibrator from the ceiling. It was glorious. You can see a picture on my Instagram. There was some video. I'll try and find it, and I'll upload some stuff to Twitter too. Here it is. Okay, I'm going to get it down. My initial impressions on seeing it. The head is remarkably well-crafted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the some, rest, it's yeah. like you ran out of energy. Well, I mean, like, my, my dad is very, uh, you know, there's a lot of ingenuity. Uh, he, we come from um, Zimbabwe where, you, you know, when I grew up, you couldn't get things, so you had to make things. Ah, it's like but a number eight wire thing. Yeah, design is not my dad's strong point, though. Well, yeah, I would contest that in part. So... <laughs> 
Shall we plug it in? Oh, just sure. to be, just so you know, this has never been used because to get past the psychological hurdle of using a vibrator that your father made you was too much. Yeah. Did you try? I tried. <laughs> tried and couldn't. I, so yeah. if, I think part of what kind of creeps you out, apart from the head shape where you're like, how, who, where was that modelled on? Or what was that modelled on? <laughs> is that the fabric is kind of glossy, which makes it look recently used. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like kind of glistening. Yeah. And the extension cord is really long. And you, I might get to bring the box up here. So this is the box that you need to... Um, you can hold yes, that. Yes, you can great, do great. power control. Oh, yeah, you do that. And we'll just, we'll just give it a quick buzz and see. And in order to show you the sound, I have to hold it up to my mouth. <laughs> can you hear it? After the show, we're going to have this up here if anyone wants to come and um, check it out. Oh, it's just going on its own. <laughs> just briefly, did you grow up in a family that was super sex positive? Like, is this... No, not at all. My mum, upon discovering a condom in my kilt pocket, you know, because I was, I was, I've been safe sex since I was very young, and, um, but her first response was like, do you want to get a reputation? <laughs> and, you know, fortunately, in the in later years, they've gotten a lot better, and... Um, I think that's basically through my own aggressive sex positivity. Because um, this felt, it feels almost like a message to me. Is it like a message saying, like, yes, we can't, we, maybe we failed you a little bit with the sex stuff earlier, <laughs> we're here for you now? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'd never, I, that's a great takeaway from this. Okay. Yeah. And um, just as the kicker to finish on, your parents don't know that you know this, but this isn't the first vibrator your dad's ever made. No. How do you know that, Audrey? <laughs> when I was like nine, I remember looking for something in my mum and dad's room, and, and that was where I came across Buzzy Number One. Right. And I remember recoiling in horror, uh, the aesthetic, much the same as this. <laughs> Are there um, any improvements since, since? I don't think so, yeah, okay. eh? I think he's found the winning, the winning recipe and, and just gone with it, which is, you know, great. Maybe some tweaks could be good, but yeah. I'm going to get you to sit here for another moment because we actually have a guest here who might have something to add. Tara, would you like to join us now? Manager at Peaches and Cream. Everybody, please, a quick round of applause for Tara. <laughs> We're going to do a quick review. Click the little button on the bottom. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's the high, the high setting. And you can, oh, you just, it's, it's got this dial that you have to be metres away from to use. Um, I think the, the my, my dad did say, well, if you were married, you wouldn't need this. Oh. Oh. I know, right? Not true. <laughs> I don't need it even more. <laughs> I probably need it more. Wasn't going to say it, glad you said it. What are your first impressions? A very basic toy, but good, you know, kudos for effort. Yeah, and it's got yeah. some buzz, like um, it feels like it'll it do, do the quite, job. quite strong. It was delivered with one Ansel condom unwrapped, unrolled on it, just to make oh, sure. Oh, no, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, there was a gooey condom unrolled on it as cool. I opened the box. So, you know, cool, they were also about the safety. They like a bit of glue. Good on them. Yeah, okay. great. Yeah. Okay, so what would you give it out of 10? Would you sell it to a client? Maybe five. Yeah, five out of 10. Okay, that's yeah. not bad. Not well bad. done. Okay. Kind of realistic looking. Tara, you've, how long have you worked at Peaches and Cream for? Uh, 18 plus years. Uh, you would have heard some stories? Oh, yeah. Have you heard stories similar to I this? I did have a gentleman come in once wanting a bit that he could put on the end of a drill bit. <laughs> wow. Hmm. He wanted to make his own 
vibrator, but he just wanted the dildo part. He's like, I got, I got the rest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Generally, when someone comes in and they're looking for a toy, and maybe they've had to kind of work their way their, themselves up to get in there, and I'm guessing you can tell when people are a bit nervous. Yeah. What if they say, "I want, I want a toy"? Where do you start? Um, basically, I start by narrowing it down what they want to achieve with their toy, how they want to use it, whether it's, you know, clitoral or internal. I mean, it could be for a guy as well wanting to use an anal toy or whatever, but it's about narrowing it down so we sell the right products, not the wrong products. Because it's not that easy to refund no, these things. No, it's not that things. easy. No. There's a lot of selection. I know that this kind of, the technology is moving quickly and I visited a peaches and cream store in Wellington and they showed me a vibrator with a clitoral stimulator that had a suction on it which was quite a strong suction. It's very good. Uh, is it? Okay. And, and so things along those lines, because when you look at old vibrators with the beads in them and the, like the ones we would have found in our mother's bedrooms, they're pretty, things have changed a lot Pretty ugly, then. actually. If anyone watched Sex in the City and remember the jackrabbit that I think it was Charlotte used, like they've come bounds and leaps since that original jackrabbit. Which so. sold out after that. Went yeah, to they did sell out after that movie. Yeah. So as well as our kind of suction device on the clitoral stimulator, what kind of things have we got? Um, there's a Wii Vibe and there's also a Kegel exerciser that you can, tr can control via an app on your phone. Initially when the Wii Vibe first came out, I brought one yeah. and I was seeing someone who lived in Wellington so he could control it from there. When people come to you for a toy, like, toys are great, they can totally transform sex lives. I also probably suspect that people come to you for a toy thinking it's going to solve a thing that actually is bigger than what you can give them. Yeah, it's not going to solve... I mean, sex toys, to me, and in my experience, are designed to enhance a relationship. Or, as an example, if you're single... Like, I used to have quite a lot of vibrators when I was single and <laughs> stuff, because I didn't want to be doing the whole randoms or... You know, anything wasn't like for that. you. So it was. They are designed to enhance and um, spice your sex life up, and it's not. You know, there's all sort of variants of different toys. So, and when I went into the Wellington store, I haven't been into Christchurch yet, but I might come to you afterwards because I'm going to do an admission. I'm going to tell you all now. I'm a sex podcast host that doesn't own a vibrator. Oh. You should have said. You're going to sort me out? Yeah, OK, I'll come in, you sort me out. What I was going to say is that, like, from when I was 19 and would stumble, like, ooh, into a sex stores, things have changed a lot. Definitely. It's, you know, there's no dodgy curtain and, you know, it all feels almost like, like a pharmacy. Like, it's yeah. very kind of, mm, it's yeah, a nice place to be. That okay. is very nice. I'll place. come see you after the show. Awesome. Everybody, please put your hands together for Tara and Audrey. <laughs> Thank you. I'll give you your vibrator back after. Or maybe I don't even... I'll just take that one. Sorted. Oh, sorted, sorted. It's not my dad. I can get past that. Can you show me a photo of your dad? OK, Nick and Lena, we've got time for... How long have we got? Just kick us off if you need to kick oh, us off. So, I have a non-binary partner and notice that when we're doing the do, my dirty talk focuses quite heavily on genitals. Any tips or hot phrases I could try using instead? Great Yeah, that's an awesome question. I think the first thing is to ask your partner if they mind you focusing on genitals, because I know people who are gender non-conforming who don't have any um, problems or dysphoria in terms of their physical body, so it might actually not be a problem. Mm -hmm. They might be really fine with the genitals they have and talking about them isn't an issue. Okay. Um, 
yeah, I guess other phrases are super fun as well. Um, are you going to say them? Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Um, so I think a good one is, again, ask them if this is triggering anyway, but the either you being inside me or me being inside you, I think that's a really hot one. Like, I love how you feel inside me. I love how I feel being inside of you. I mean, I think it's also talking about how you feel and how this person and what they're doing to you makes you feel is generally really hot. That's really, and, that, and that's intimate, you know? It's like, I, I let you see inside me by, by using my words to tell you what it makes me feel like. Dirty talk in the moment can, can be tricky because if you feel, like, you want to try things out or, or whatever, but, you know, there's always the chance you're going to throw something out there that's going to bomb. Yeah, and, and, and then it's funny. Then and then it's, it's really okay. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny. You're right. We don't acknowledge how funny sex can yeah. be. Okay. Well, if you what's say your motto for dirty talk? Just go for it. Talk about what you're comfortable with, and then just yeah, play yeah. Around. Talk about what you're comfortable with, and and if it bombs and it gets a bit awkward, and you take a break and you come back, you're like, that's fine too. There's heaps of things that interrupt sex, like flatmates. They really Children. love to do that. <laughs> Children, you know. So it's it's fine. Like if you're seeing, this, you know, this person's your partner. I think it's you know. Just talk about it with them and then, bloody, go, f- go for your life. Cool. I was just watching these two when we said children interrupting and they're both like, oh, bonding over that. It's never happened to you. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cats. Yeah, oh, do- do- oh, man. Dogs are worse. I did I tell you about the cat that a guy was eating me out slash fingering me and he came up. The cat jumped on the bed and sniffed his finger, then sniffed my vulva. What? This is the shit I'm talking about, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Wholesome as hell, <laughs> somehow. I'm glad you continued. Yeah, you well, I'm not a quit. Bravely. <laughs> Any tips on achieving the this is, on achieving multiple orgasms for a female? I think the, the the first thing is that achieving multiple orgasms is like achieving an orgasm. If you're really driving yourself in a particular direction, you probably won't get there. I actually haven't, it's something I want to have an episode, and it's not going to happen this season, but more exploring, especially female pleasure, more in depth. And, you know, we hear the concept of, fe- of multiple orgasms thrown around a lot, and this is something I, do, I will talk about more in depth, but I actually, like, I think I know what we're talking about, but when it, is it like, is this like multiple orgasms all on top of each other, all in a row? Is it like coming and then 10 minutes later coming again? Like, do we actually have a definition for what this thing is that we hear so much about? Um, not, not, a, not a strict definition, no, because I think people's experiences is quite different. And even of a normal orgasm, there's not really a set thing as well. Like, some medical communities will say there's a set thing, but it can vary again, even just a single orgasm. I mean, if you think about, about you get up to sort of a certain plateau in the sex in terms of your arousal, in terms of your excitement, and then often you orgasm from there. And then if you're a woman, you typically don't necessarily come, come down a long way out of that state of arousal. It's about then being able to go back up again. I mean, I think with this stuff, it's really personal. It's really yeah. you know, idiosyncratic how, how that works for you. Yeah, I would say like building the initial arousal, like getting super, super aroused so that the orgasm is intense and amazing, but also the whole thing, lead, like it's been intense and amazing the whole time. So there's not like, 
oh, that was the clear peak of this experience and figuring out what that is for you, what gets you to that place. And uh, toys can be really helpful as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's probably something you you have to have a, a partner who's really who's really dialed into you if you want to do it with a partner. Otherwise, doing it by yourself. So we're going to explore that in a future episode. Probably not this season. So we will get back to that because I'm sure I'll there's do some research. For I'm sure there's a few I'll people do some in the audience. Well. You do. I'll you do, do the, the research. Research. She has more fun with the research. Than you I. have to do your well. You can have you can do your own research from you can. Yeah, I'm you sure can, Mum won't Verity, mind. you guys can do some research. <laughs> so we've got not much time left. Let's get into this one. Second time around, how do you start having sex in relationships again after being with one partner long term and now separated or divorced or widowed? It seems a lot harder in late thirties and forties than early twenties. Let's do that because dating, okay. from mm. from all accounts, is pretty tricky in your twenties. If it's harder in your 30s and 40s, have yeah. you got any advice? Uh, I, for... think, I think the first thing is um, um, take your time. Mm. I mean, it's not a race. I mean, if it's something you want, then that's great. But um, I think, um, and it, it also depends on, on, on ha- how you, I mean, because it said relationships and sexuality. It didn't just sort of say, you know. Sex and relationships. Sex and yeah. relationships, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think, um, <clears throat> If you're, if you're feeling anxious about sex, you kind of want to go slowly. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, I mean, it's, you know, if it's the first time, even if it's the first time for a while, it's kind of like you, you want to have somebody that, you, that, that you're, you're feeling well connected to. Mm. I, that's what I would aim for. Yeah, I would, I would say the same. Make the first partner you're with someone that you can have those honest conversations about. And you can be honest that... I'm feeling a bit nervous, I'm feeling a bit anxious, it's been a while, mm. I just want you to know that. Because that's really important information for your partner to know, Yeah. It, no matter the situation. Look after yourself, treat yourself well, have a life that, that is, you know, that you're really happy in so that you're not sort of feeling drawn to look to the relationship to fulfil you. So a relationship or sex, sexual experiences are an added bonus to an already full life, is what we're yeah. aiming for. Yeah, ideally. Awesome. Can we have one last round of applause, please, for Nick and Lena Bates? Thank you. You can sit here while I read my opera if you want. That's it from us for today. Thank you so much to William Ray, Justin Gregory, Tim Watkin, the team here at Bread and Circus World Buskers Festival, every one of my amazing guests. We'll have another round of applause for everyone over there. Thank you, Phoebe, for borrowing the chairs from her parents (laughs) and setting them up for us and our own engineer, Alex Harmer. If we didn't get to your question but you still want answers, you can give me an email at bang at radionz.co.nz and we'll see what we can do. The new season launches on March 4th and we're going to be exploring things like bisexuality, monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, kink, sex positivity and more. If you have a story that fits under one of those umbrellas, email me or come and say hi. I'm totally used to being accosted with stories, Don't, no shame on my part. And thank you one more time for coming to Bang Live. <laughs> <laughs>